This is Lachlan Rouston. This is Raf Freeman. And you're listening to the fittest podcast in Australia, The Mind Muscle Project. Project, welcome back to this episode of In the Black. We're going to talk to you today about one of our favorite topics and a topic that I think is probably, I think we save you a lot of time giving you guys some insights here. Uh, save you a lot of headaches, save you a lot of hassles. But we're going to talk today about attracting, retaining, and growing great staff members. Uh, it's something that we have a lot of experience in. Um, it's something we're definitely still doing ourselves and getting better at um, every single year, every single quarter. So I want to give you our insights, our experience uh, up to where we are today. Of course, before we dive into it, a part of what we're going to be talking about today and part of our process, and I didn't I post on this on, on Instagram the other week, and it was about mentors. And really, it's hard to go at something by yourself if you've never been there before. And it's important to always surround yourself with people that have been there before you and they've made those mistakes and you can learn from those mistakes and use them as a sounding board. Um, they're called mentors, they're called coaches. And I think that people don't, people recognize that it's important when it comes to training, when it comes to sport, but they don't ever realize that it's, it runs exactly parallel, these same principles when it comes to growing your gyms, being being a professional, you know, the same way that you get a coach to write a program for you, to coach you, to mentor you as to get better at whatever it might be, whether it's, you know, basketball or Olympic weightlifting or CrossFit, you know that you're going to be better with a coach. Everyone knows that. But why do you not think that that applies with business? Why do you not think that having a coach or a mentor is also going to help you in that scenario? It's 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 true. It, it definitely will. It's the same thing. So, Applying that principle to your business professionally, if it's important to you and investing in it, in the same way you would with your training, it's very important. And a lot of the stuff we're going to talk to you about today, we've got tons of help with from our mentors, MPE. So you guys can check them out. They're mpefitness.com. Our link to find them is the mymuscleproject.com slash NPE. Um, stands for Net Profit Explosion. They don't really use that anymore, but... Terrible name. Terrible name. But make sure you go check them out, guys. It's uh, They will absolutely turn your business around and... For sure, there's been tons of people listening to this podcast right now. They're going to do an in-person event mm. soon. They're bringing it back. Uh, which is going to be great. Uh, but for now, highly recommend you guys uh, check them out. TheMyMuscleProject.com slash MP if you're looking to level up your business. And then lastly, guys, you know in this studio, there's an amazing sign that sits behind us. It's becoming quite iconic and that is suitable because <laughs> the company that made it is Neon Icons. So if you want to check them out, themymuscleproject.com slash neon icons. You can get really cool stuff for your house, um, stuff that, you know, just cool little custom things. You can get stuff for your garage, gym. You can get stuff for your own podcast studio. You can get stuff for your gym. Uh, they custom build it. They've got standard stuff. They're all different sorts of things and it's just a great addition. Uh, it's obviously It'd be a like, great one for a home gym, I think. Yeah. But I think it's cool for your home. If you mm. just want to put, put something cool on your wall. Uh, add a little flavor to it, add a bit of different color to the lighting to your house. Like, yeah, it's a great company. It's a premium product. So for you guys that, you know, always want to buy the best stuff, uh, this is definitely your company. So make sure you, if you're interested in, in getting some kind of custom neon sign, you use these guys. They're the best. So go to mymuscleproject.com slash neon icons. So N-E-O-N icons. That's one word. And you can check them out there. Okay. So today we're going to talk about Attracting, retaining, growing great stuff. Now, undoubtedly, if you have a fitness business, if you're a part of a fitness business, uh, in these cases, a gym, you have either had the experience of, as an employee or as an owner of witnessing and having great staff uh, at some point or having, most likely, nine times out of 10, horrendous staff. 
staff that were absolutely awful and having the experience of having these great people thinking, fuck, it's so good to have someone great here and then them leaving and you're going, oh my God, I have to do it all again myself and going through this cycle and maybe you've rinsed and repeat this cycle for many years. You're like, why can't I keep good staff? I have this person that's awesome for a while. They help me out and then they go away, they leave and now it's all back on me and you have built this belief in yourself that, fuck, it's all on me always. I can't trust anyone else. It's why doesn't anyone care like I care? Why can't I get great people to attract me? Um, I'm doing all the right things. You know, I'm creating leadership for them. I'm paying them well, blah, blah, blah. You think you're doing all the right things, but ultimately the good staff never stick around. And there are so many reasons that, that come into it. And more recently with the opening of Locker Room, one really big reason has uh, kind of, you know, found its way into, into my thoughts. And I think it was something I wasn't quite open to. I was maybe in a little bit of denial about this um, because it hurts. It hurts the ego a little bit. But look, the reason that most people can't attract, because everyone says, you know, I have world-class coaching. How much do you hear world-class coaching, right? Or we have uh, the, yeah, the best, most professional coaching team in the world. Look, at the end of the day, I don't think that's wrong. I think that people have really great coaches. But the reason that you're not getting the best of the best uh, is because, quite honestly, your gym and uh, your brand is just not its not very attractive um, for, for lots of reasons. It's, look, it's hard to hear because it's yours. It's your baby. You've grown it. But at the end of the day, if you don't have really big goals, if you don't have things that are going to excite people, if you don't have something that people want to get on board for, you are not going to attract great staff long term. And look, there is nothing wrong with having a small boutique gym that does really well in a suburb and supports a great community. But with something where that is the end goal, you can never, ever expect, ever expect to get the best staff in the world. It's just not true. The best developers and programmers in the world, they don't go and work for uh, Jim's small boutique engineering firm. No, they go and work for the Amazons and the Googles. You know, They don't go and work for Tim's cyber security space. And, and that's probably a great business. And Tim probably does really well. Tim can't expect to get the best engineers in the world. That's just not how it works. And the same applies for the gym. You're not going to get the best gym staff in the world if you just have the little CrossFit gym down the street, if you just have the little gymnastics studio down the street. You can get great people, but remember, these people that are joining you, they're not going to be very ambitious people because they also, they probably want to do something casual or part-time, something small. They want to help out their community. And maybe those are your goals as well. But if you want something, if you want a real business, if you want to smash absolutely massive goals, if you want to leave an impact you know, in your communities, in your city, in your country, you have to have an amazing brand. You have to have big goals. You have to put yourself out there. You have to go there. And I think most people don't do it for loads of reasons, but one of the reasons is fear. And I'll speak from experience. That was what we did. Now, if you look at our path, in some ways, we did go a little bit bigger than most. Most people only ever make one studio, right? But we made a decision that we we got to three very quickly. But then we reached a point where it was like we were making the decision to not go any bigger and not chase any harder for, for lots of reasons. And I would say the goals for Creature Fitness, they just didn't become super ambitious, right? And Creature was a, obviously has an amazing community. It's doing extremely well. We have amazing staff. Uh, but recently, we've hired uh, one of our best staff members. And he said to us, because he was, he was doing really well doing his own thing, he said, you couldn't have got me out of doing my own thing with Creature Fitness. He goes, no offense. And I go, look, no, not offense taken. This, That's the truth. And I realize that is because the mission of Creature, the purpose of Creature isn't the same as Locker Room and there's nothing wrong with it. We've, I think it's it's great. We service a great community. We give great training. 
We have great coaches, but locker room's proposition is very different. And the distinction between those two worlds, and this is kind of something you and I discussed, Raf. We had a bit of a conversation that's like, yeah, I think it's going to attract a very different person with kind of what we're going for here. And it's because what we're going for is text balls, right? It's, it's ambitious, it's big. And a lot of people are fearful of that. They're fearful to put themselves out there. I know gym owners personally that would love to have 10 locations. They would love to have 20 locations. Why do they not do that? Because they, they, fe- they fear that they might, they might fail. They don't, they don't want to sit there and go like, you know what, bro? Like, I fucking want 20 gyms. Like, I want a massive company. I want to have a big impact. They're too scared. They're too scared that if they put that out there and they don't do the work to get themselves out because it's a shitload more work than they're doing now and it's, it's a lot harder and there's a lot more risk involved that they'll fail. They're like, you know what? I'm just comfortable with my one gym. I'll just have my one gym. I just want to say to them and everyone listening to this, then you can't ever expect to have great stuff because they're not going to follow you because you're not a great leader. And we'll get to leadership in a second. But I think this is a part of the big core of why you can't get great staff long-term is because the brand and what you're doing, the brand of the mission, the vision of what you're going after, it's just not very exciting. It's just not very exciting. It's why, it's honestly why like, you know, some of the bigger brands that maybe you don't agree with necessarily how they're done because they are an exciting, they're a bigger brand, they're a point of pride for these people like Barry's Bootcamp, Orange Theory, even like Fitness First, right? People are excited to say they work for them, to have a long-term career with them because obviously they are a huge brand. They're much exciting. They have much more, you know, different career paths. But, you know, we're talking to small businesses right here. So, it's, it's a very different story. But I think at the core, that's why it's like, you know, and I don't want to demotivate you with saying this, but I think I just wanted to bring some awareness to it. And I wanted to say if that, if you're like, you know, fuck this. No, I want to have a big brand. I want to be ambitious. Like you guys are going to have to step up and you're going to have to put yourself out there and have a big goal. That's the only way to do it. That's the only way to attract big staff. You know, when people meet you for the first time, you have to sell them on working for you. You know, it's not just, I'm going to give you money to come work for me. You'd be like, bro, in, in, you know, in five years, you could have some of your own studios. We're going for 30 studios. We're going to have a big impact here. We've got the best training. If you're not doing that, if you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can you know, cover a few hours here and like, yeah, it'd be great to have you. And, you know, we've got a great community here. Great, but you know, you're not going to get the best stuff when you do that. Yeah, well, I mean, it depends what, what you're going to do. Um, I mean, one thing I would say is I wouldn't change your business model just to get good stuff. It, it depends what, what, what you're trying to go for. Yeah. Uh, but there's multiple ways of doing it. I think the biggest thing is, yeah, you've got to get your expectations in check. So, if you if you have that small gym and you don't want to have a huge mission, very unlikely you're going to attract really good staff from the outset, right? And that's not the play a lot of those businesses will go. Like, Vision doesn't try and get the best staff from the outset. Where they fucking crush it is in training and onboarding. They get really average staff, no experience, and their business systems are outstanding. And that's how they do really well with them. And they understand that those people are going to leave, yeah. you know, in a couple of years. And that, that's the model that they'll run. Um, and that's how a lot of those like you know bigger franchises will run. Right? McDonald's don't try and get the best staff possible; they try and have the best systems possible, and then they can take them out, bring new people in. Right? So that is an option for you, but their expectations are in check. Mm. I don't think they're expecting outstanding staff that can come in, know all the different staff, and like even better than you are. If that's your expectations, and you just yeah have a small gym and you don't really have any bigger plans for it, it's so unlikely that person's going to want to join. But if you're on the other side, potentially you can get that person from the outset, right? So you can skip all those steps of training and hopefully keep them much longer. Yeah, which is going to be unreal. And and it also I think is get your expectations in check that yeah, it's going to be if there's like an elixir in your area, really nice big brand. They usually are going to attract the best staff. Yeah. So if you expect to just you get the best staff, Equinox. Yeah. Don't we have elixir? Isn't that a brand? That's one gym. A lot of lots of elixirs. Oh, were they? Oh, I, I think know. so. Oh, okay. 
Um, anyway, I could be getting the name wrong. Fuck it. What I mean is a, a fancy, <laughs> um, expensive gym. Equinox. Yeah, they get you know they get really good trainers. Yeah. You know, and you guys are deluded if you think those big brands like don't get really good no. trainers. Of course they do. Yeah. That's why it's it's not going to be a competitive advantage for you. Generally, is attracting, you know, the best stuff from the outset. So I think you've got to decide, um, you know, which direction you're going to go, and then that is going to realize where you're going to land. And if you're going to get younger staff who are not the best out there but are keen to learn and grow, then you better have a good system to upskill them and understand they might not be with you forever. Mm. Yeah, it's a good point. And I think then that's when you have to really think of your long-term vision for yourself Mm. and your life, right? If you realize that, hey, you're not always going to have long-term staff to stay here that are super ambitious to help you grow, you have to expect that you're kind of going to work in your small business the whole time that it exists, right? Until maybe you sell sell the business. So... If you want to grow into a really big business, right? You want to have 50, 60, 100 staff members or whatever, then you need to attract people that are as ambitious as you. And the only way to do that is uh, in order to find these people and to grow and nurture and lead these people is yeah, you have to have you have to have a, a brand, you have to have something that, you know, it's a long-term game. To get to get long-term people, you have to have a long-term game. When someone walks into a small studio like a Creature Fitness, for example, there is no long-term game for them necessarily. They don't see it unless it was like, hey, you know, we're starting out here, we're going strong, we're refining the model. We're going to have 50 locations in the next five years. At some point, you could have, you know, four or five of those these locations yourself. You've got there's a long-term game. Now you've got someone for the long term, right? So that's just an example. I think most people can relate to Creature Fitness a lot more. Obviously, locker rooms are a lot more unique, but Locker room is a long-term game. We have long-term plans here. The staff know about the long-term plans. It's not going to just be gyms. There's going to be other things that we work with. And this is what is exciting for us. We're passionate about this stuff. People can hear, they can see, they can feel the passion when they're with us. That's why they want to be on board long-term. Those are the people that we want to find. And like Raph said, if you want to go really big, you want to turn over staff, it's a different game, different systems, but you accept that. You have different expectations. But I think what's misaligned with most people in the gym industry is that they have this expectation that I'm going to get great staff, world-class coaches, they're going to stick around. And I'm, I'm not going to train them. Yeah. I suspect them to be really good from the outside. That's the crazy yeah. part. Yeah. It's absolutely nuts. And then they're shocked when they leave yeah. and then they're back on the floor doing all the work again. I'm like, well, you know your small gym, there was no, they want to do their, they want more for themselves. Anyone that's good, that's ambitious, that's driven, you know, similar to you in some ways, they, you've got to realize you can't just cap them. Okay, so that's the first point. Second point is now you've, okay, so now you've got a bit more of an ambitious brand or maybe you've got your brand and, and you want to, you know, grow and you want to excite these people and you've got a good person. One of the keys to making sure that you are finding the right people or the, you know, you get the right people in is you need a well-systemized interview and onboarding process. The experience, and I know this because I guarantee you we've, just by virtue of having three gyms, we've definitely, for, for most people who've only had one gym, We've seen a lot more. We've hired a lot more. We've fired a lot more staff than most people. So we've we've gone through a process over a long period of time with a lot of people. So one thing that's critical, and one thing these these people say to us is they're like, "Wow, this is quite a thorough process. Much more thorough than everything else I've done." And these are other you know big gym brands as well, where it's like, "Yeah, it was a smile and a handshake," and then it was you know I was in. You know, it wasn't that hard. Our process is brutal. Like it's absolutely brutal. So we can give you an idea to give you guys a bit of a framework, but it's kind of our, you know, secret source, intellectual property, parting part to work for us. And maybe some people listening to this have gone through it. They kind of know what it's like. But I th- what I think is so critical about it, and if you know anything about the corporate world, is if 
you're being hired for a really important position. And I would say anyone that's a part of what we're doing, it's an important position. That's how I treat it. Whether you're starting out as the fucking cleaner, whether you're starting as our receptionist or you're you know, coming on to the leadership team, every position is equally important because you know, we're trying to win the, the Champions League and you know, the reserve goalkeeper is just as important as you know, the striker that's scoring all the goals because you know, everyone has to step up and play their part. You want the best, most world-class team. I think the big, the, the big mistake people make is yeah, they, they don't have this solid interviewing process. So how, essentially, why we try and make it so ruthless and so brutal is because the reality is, is when you are chasing big goals is there will be moments in this journey that are extremely harsh. They're extremely brutal. They're tough. People will go through ups and downs. You'll be challenged. You'll be pushed. There'll be more expectations of yourself. You'll feel like at some points you'll be underpaid for what you're worth. But ultimately, you've got to have faith and you've got to pay off uh, and know that it will pay off in the long run. So that's what we're trying to test in a very compressed period of time. I think, yeah, like I was saying before, is anyone that you know that gets hired for a really big company, they might go through seven, eight interviews. They go through all kinds of weird like social testing and weird questions and personality testing and all this stuff. And this is stuff we've integrated very deeply in our process. We've got uh, we've got like quizzes, we've got tests, we've got things that you have to do before the interview. We have a three-stage interview process. Um, and even when we get to the job offer point, like we try and make it so that you don't want the job. Like you have to really fucking want it. You have to tear the job offer from Raf's hands that's how badly you want to have to work for us. And so that I think is a very revealing process. And look, it's going to save you a much bigger headache down the road. Good lesson to follow. And I got this book from Good to Great is it's much better to stretch for a while with the with the wrong staff, uh, sorry, with the, the right staff than to quickly hire someone that's the wrong staff. And so it's better to push your team, the right staff, a little bit to the edge um, and you know, a, bit, a little, little bit overstretched than it is to hire the wrong person just because you're desperate and you need to make up some extra work. So that's always a good rule to think of is don't rush the hire process. Make sure you get it right. Build that team as you go. Yeah, but um, and part of that problem as well is when you have a longer interview process, it does also take longer to get the staff involved. Yes. So exactly like saying, you, you've got to stretch with the team you've got, um, but you've still got to get to work on finding the next people because it's kind of like going to get a loan from the bank. You know, we've done this recently. And the worst time to go ask for a loan from the bank is when you need the money. Mm. The best time to go is when you, you don't, don't need, need the money. money. Yeah. That's when you get the money. And it's the same thing with staff. The worst time to do it is when you really need them. Because uh, we've been doing some interviews recently and we actually don't really need staff at the moment. And that's been the best part about it. Uh, it's because you're not desperate. Yeah. Right? It's like, yeah, if you just haven't, uh, you haven't brought a girl home in years <laughs> and you go out, you just, your game's not on. Yeah. But if you hit six times in a row, the seventh time, you're laughing. Yeah. Because you you're on a hot streak. You're not desperate. Everything's yeah. going well, right? And they can smell that as you go in there. <laughs> I think everyone's experienced that. Uh, and that, that's, that's important. So, A, you've always got to be working on it. That's something we're doing. We're always working on it, even uh, when you when you don't need the staff. And then, yeah, we've uh, increased, I guess, how challenging it is to get a job in, in our interview process. But I think really, if you have worked in other industries, our process is probably like pretty brutal for the fitness industry. But if you step outside, it's like, it's standard. Yeah. Yeah, I was even thinking, you know, when I was going for my first job in corporate, it's an entry-level position. For the bank, right? Yeah, for a bank. Oh, I did heaps of interviews. Like, you know, I didn't get nearly everyone I tried for, right? They're really challenging. And this is entry-level. But it was still like, you know, it was online computer tests, thousands of people doing. And then it's phone tests, hundreds of people are doing. And then it's like a written video thing. 
you're getting down to like whatever. I think it's like a few hundred. And then you go in person, there'll be like a hundred plus people in person for the first one. And then, you know, you get this you know temporary job offer on mm. the back of that. So it's, you know, and that's for entry level. Mm. That's like the lowest hire. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's it. And, you know, and I think in fitness, you just got so used to like almost nothing that maybe people's expectations and beliefs are weird. And they mm. might, you might be worried that, oh, they're going to think I'm weird if I like put them through all this. Uh, but yeah, you've got to change your expectations on that. Mm. There's not, nothing wrong with it. You always value something you've worked harder to get. Mm. So if you get the job really easily, you're often not going to value it as much. If you feel like you worked really hard for it, even if the job is the same, I think you're going to be more sticky with it. Because mm. you're like, oh man, like I earned that. Mm. You know, I crushed it and I earned it. And that's usually what gets people to stick. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, one thing that people miss from the interview and onboarding process, and I think it's a, I do think it takes some time just by the nature of being in business is to develop your core values. And I think that that mm. is something, that's a word that gets thrown around a lot. And maybe people think it doesn't have any application. It's like, oh, why am I figuring out my my core values? And I go, oh, this is what clicked for me is you, you hire for core values is because that is your culture. Those are the people you're trying to bring in. And when you are really, you're not just like, yeah, honesty, uh, yeah, happiness, uh, tidiness. Like, no, they're not core values, <laughs> right? Stuff that really deeply embodies who you are. And that's what core values are. It's who you are as the founders, as the owners, right? Now, not who you want to be, who you are, right? Because at the end of the day, you need to act your core values in your life because if you're like, no, I want to be a person of integrity, but you're not. If you just don't do what you say you're going to do when you do it, then yeah, people are going to notice that straight away. You say, you've got the core value of personal integrity, but you said you were going to you know, run this marathon later in the year, but it's been the year. You didn't run it. Like, what's what's up there? So you said you were going to give me this thing on time. You were going to deliver this project on time, but it's not here. So, you can't... It has to be what you actually are, what your core values truly are. And when you hire for those and you get people around it, that's when you build a culture. And I think that's the missing piece people have with core values. They don't hire for core values. So, literally, as this person's coming in, Raf and I, we've got the three main core values front of mind and we're like, are they ticking this box? Are they ticking this box? Are they ticking this box? And if they are they're likely going to make it deep into the interview process. There might be some other things down there that undo them, but that is really the starting point. And if they're not ticking one of those boxes straight away, it's easy for us because we can just be like, bro, they didn't tick the most important box, right? They didn't do core value number one. Let's get rid of them. And you can tell straight away. You can tell straight away with someone if they have it or not, especially if you pick the right core values because you're trying to find, at the end of the day, more people like you in many ways. Obviously, they've got different skill sets and strengths, but a lot of people share a lot of core values in their life, right? And so that's what you're trying to align with certain people like that. So getting that right, I think getting that correct in, in the interview process and building that into your interview process is just I think something that so many people miss and that's why their culture is all off. They got great staff in different contexts, but ultimately they're not a team. Right? They're not they're not working together and they don't get along and they don't agree on a lot of the same things. And I think that yes, there's gonna be different people, but if they all kind of align, have the same ethics, same morals, same core values. You don't have to manage them. They just kind of look after themselves. It all kind of it's synergy. It works together, right? It's just like imagine the all-star basketball team. They're not the best team in the world. It's just bringing together all the all-stars doesn't always work because they, you know, they might have different core values in the ways you do. So, you know, if LeBron James' core value is family, and I mean Kobe's not here anymore, but we'll say someone else, Giannis, um, his core value is you know training or whatever. Then he's gonna obviously. James is going to go, well, I've got to spend some family time. He's going to go, no, you're supposed to do three extra hours after training. There's going to be a conflict there. They're not going to agree on everything. And that's when you get some, you know, that's when you get trying to get this team, this championship team, but it's not working. 
And that's just because you didn't get the core values right. So that I think that's important in the interview process. And the rest is, look, some about intellectual property, but that's really up to you to figure out a proper interview process. And I, I think it can't be too long or too hard. No, and I think just last thing I'll leave you with is, yeah, make it your own. Like if you want to have a fun place that's got jokes and got that, then like work it in. Yeah. You know, and then if the person's like not getting any of the jokes and doesn't want to be part of something that's jokes, yeah, it's not the best fit. Yeah. You just save yourself some time. So you got to like make it uniquely you. You see some cool ones I've seen, um, like an ad and it was like stick figure thing and it was like, oh, we really need like a graphic designer. Mm. It was an ad. I'm like, oh, it's like funny, right? Mm. Obviously, they're trying to attract like people that are into it. If someone's yeah. like, oh man, pff, jokes in the workplace? Yeah. Cool, they're not going to apply. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why I think it takes some time to develop because you have to be certain with who you are and how your culture is and what it's like, especially when you don't really have a culture. Mm. You know, in the beginning, you're kind of just starting out. You don't really know what it's going to be like. It takes a while to kind of figure out the workplace culture. It just takes time, just the nature of how these things are. But exactly, it has to be uniquely mm. used. So when it does get to this point, you are just being yourself. You are how it is. If you're trying to like pretend to be something else and yeah, be professional, and then as soon as the interview's over and you go back to being another way, they're like, well, hold on. You were just saying one thing, but now you're acting in a certain way and there's that disconnect. It doesn't really work. Anyway, next point, really important. Now it comes down to leadership. So now maybe you've hired this person. Uh, maybe now it's your responsibility to lead this person. And I think that where most gym owners or most management people, they come unstuck here is because they haven't taken leadership seriously. And I will put my hand up and that was... That was that was me for a very long time. And I think that that is just a maturing process. Personally, I think that a lot of people get into the fitness industry quite young and they just don't really take this part seriously. And I think that taking it seriously is acknowledging that if you fuck up and you don't do your job here, no one eats, right? If you don't hit the sales goals, okay, no one eats, right? People have families, people want to buy houses, people have bills to pay, they have cars, they have ambitions in their life. You, the responsibility is on your shoulders to make that happen. Yes, we're all working as a team, but ultimately it comes down to you. And I think that in many ways, a lot of guys and girls that, that own and run gyms, they ignore this responsibility. They don't take it seriously, which is why the staff can sense it at some point. They can sense that, hey, this person is not stepping up and they're not doing what they need to do. I don't think it's, it's good to put my long-term future in the hands of this person. And that's when they leave, right? They think, there's no future here for me. You know, They're not taking me seriously they're not guiding me they're not giving me opportunities in the future which we'll talk about in a sec but i think personally you need to wake up to your responsibilities whether you have one staff member right whether it's just you you're looking after your future first or whether you have 10 15 staff members 50 60 whatever the response it's your responsibility to make this work which is why in many ways i think how can you not go big because if you go really big and you fuck you even get halfway you want 50 gyms you end up with 25 you still created an amazing life for those 20 you know people involved in those 25 gyms yeah and i think you know there's lots of things you could talk about in terms of where you could address improving your leadership skills and everything it's obviously something you're just working on all the time exactly like i said one thing i think you got your head around is just it's an amount of work right it's an amount of meetings it's an amount of coaching it's an amount of setting up people's um you know plans for their role their targets there's just work to be done right mm -hmm. so i think that's the number one is just there is work to be done you get over that and then number two, probably the one, if I was to pick up one thing that I think most gym owners could improve on is just the clarity of their um, what they want from the staff member. You know, I think in the past, sometimes you just don't make it super clear. And in your head, it's probably pretty clear. But imagine if you walked into a new gym and you didn't know anything about it, what they wanted to do, you might realize it's actually not that clear for the person. Yeah. Or you might be afraid to ask for too much. You know, you might say, okay, I just want you to like coach all these classes, do a good job. Then you're like, ah, oh, they're not that good. Like they don't 
clean up after the class and like, you know, they never bring in new members. It's like, well, you know, did you talk to them about that's what you really want? Mm. It's like, oh, maybe not. I just, I just told them which classes to show up for, mm. you know, and that's, that's just really, yeah, you just didn't make it really clear from them. And you might've been able to turn an average staff member into an unbelievable staff member, you know, if you had, if you just made it really clear what they could do and then they would think, about, okay, yeah, I, I could do that. Mm. You know, I can do that. But yeah, I think a lot of, um, a lot of ladies in the fitness industry, just tell them what, what classes to show up for. Mm. You know, don't tell them what they really want from them. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's there's two things that came to mind then. Is first, I think leadership, there's a couple of things about leadership I think most people don't fully appreciate. The first one, as a Vince Lombardi quote, Andy Frisell always talks about, is it, like the in, in terms of a leadership, you know, there's, I think I talked about this, this quote on the podcast before, but uh, leading by example is not the best way to lead. It's the only way to lead. And that's, I think, where most people in the gym game, they get unstuck is because they are, they have to lead by example. They have to set the standard and yet they fall away in so many small areas of their life. And so, how can you expect your staff to perform at a high level when you're not performing at a high level? And that's, that's really the personal moments that I've had over the journey of being in business and in the gyms is like when I was letting myself down in my personal life, in my standards, then my staff slipped right? Because they're looking to you. It's like, oh, I didn't really show up on time. So that's all right. Or like, oh yeah, he didn't really get that work done. That's all right. Oh, you know, he doesn't get up early. So I don't really have to get up early. It's, it's has a trickle down effect, right? So it's very important that you do lead by example because it is the only way to lead. And then the second thing is that most people, an essential role of leadership that you cannot avoid is having hard conversations all the time. And I think that most people are scared that, oh, I want to be really nice and I don't want to upset people. No, like you are holding the standard for people and you need to remind them of what that standard is and you need to set the rules. And yeah, sometimes it's going to come off like a little bit harsh, but that's only because you want the best for everyone. You want the best for the team. And so many people avoid that conversation. They think to themselves in their head, oh man, he really shouldn't be eating on the gym floor right now. It's like, oh, but I don't have balls on. Oh, he shouldn't be training with his shirt off. Oh, I shouldn't really tell him. Oh, he keeps leaving his mess out, but... Oh, that's all right. I'll clean it up after him. That's weak. That is weak. You need to just say, hey, is it, obviously there's a way to deliver it, but you just be like, hey, dude, come on. We've got to clean up your shit after you train. Like, got to keep gym clean. Got to hold the standard. They're like, yep, sorry, you're right. The right staff member will be like, oh, no, I was slipping. I'm sorry. And, you know, you're setting by example. Dude, I cleaned up all my stuff for all my clients. Mm. You need to do it too, right? So, just stuff like that. And if you let those conversations slip over a long period of time, your culture completely deteriorates. And then you wonder why all the staff members always leave their gear out or they always come into the gym eating. No, first time you see it, you got to pull them up. Like the cleaner walked into the gym the other day. I'm like, hey, dude, sorry, but can't bring hot food into the gym just because it stinks. It smells like food. I don't want the gym smelling like food. He's like, all good. I got it. I was like, yeah, you can, you can obviously bring your snacks in or whatever if you if you want to eat while clients aren't here. But just don't bring food that stinks like because then the gym's going to smell like food and don't want that. And it's just like small things like that that just make a difference. You know, you're just trying to, uphold the standard and I think just so many people avoid that conversation oh I've really got to pull him up on you know it's not delivering on what I told him to should really pull him up on bringing people into the gym you avoid that conversation and, and like you said before Raf, people want negative feedback mm. people want to know what they want to work on they don't want to just be told the whole time you're doing a great job man they think am I though they want to be told how they can get better yeah what, what you'll usually find is that uh, the more of those you've run through the closer the relationship gets with the staff member. Yeah. It's like almost like an addition. Yeah. You know, and that's why I think, you know, often with like a sports competition, you, cause you have so many of those so frequently, cause it's like so up and down sports, you know, it's like pretty extreme. In like one season, it's like crazy how much stuff can happen, like highs and lows. It's why everyone comes so close together. 
Uh, and then, so if you can, if you think about it that way, like, hey, like the more of these that we go through, the hard ones, then like usually the closer bond is by the end. So if we've done none of them in a year, we're like, fucking, there's no, no bond at all. Yeah. You know, but if you can do them more frequently, you're going to be closer. And I was just thinking about it now. I think those two points I made about leading by example and then having the hard conversation are so tightly connected because most people don't tell staff what to do in a way that they want it, the standard to be able to help, probably because they don't do it themselves. Mm. That's why they avoid it. They go, bro, I need you to show up on time. They don't say that conversation because they haven't been showing up on time. And that's ultimately, I think, what it comes down to. They're both connected. When you uphold, starts with you, you uphold the standard, you do what you say you're going to do, you have the integrity, you set the example, then it's easier to go like, come well, on, bro, I do need this. To, you need to do it less often. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I think it all starts there. Um, okay, so next thing we'll talk about uh, to kind of wrap this thing up is uh, we've got a long-term career path and then obviously a part of that is it has to be financially viable. So long-term career path, um, we spent a bit of time thinking about this. I'm going to talk long, long-term, um, but I'll let Raf kick this off and then I want to kind of bring in this long, long-term vision. Yeah, we just, um, pretty much every role needs some upward mobility. So you've got some people that just want to, you know, train clients, you know, amazing because you need those people as well. Hey, I just want to wake up at 5 a.m. every day and have my clients and train them. Perfect. Usually, if you know your own, if you started, you know, it's probably not you because mm. you wouldn't have started in the first place. But get around, you got to get it through your head. Some people are different to you and some people generally do are happy doing that for a long period of time. Great. But you probably will find most people want to have some upward mobility. So that will just mean like, oh, so I'm going to do this for a while and then do it really well. You know, what's the next thing? What's the level? Two? What am I working towards? What's the level three here? That's the level four. And that, that can be a challenge because maybe you don't have those levels now. Um, but one way you can even just lay it out for them is like, hey, what you're doing is different to what I'm doing. So one day you could even do what I'm doing, mm-hmm. right? And you can elevate yourself. So even at the lowest level, there is some upward mobility that you could demonstrate to to someone. But yeah, you've got to understand that unless you show it to them, they're going to think about it and they might start looking elsewhere. Mm. And I think that most people in some ways, their ego gets in the way of them ever being able to unlock those levels. So I think that a lot of gyms can create upward mobility. It's like, hey, bro, you, like, you know, you can do some of the stuff that I do today, but you're going to need to start here. And most people, especially the younger generation, they might have some ego about, well, no, I'm not starting there. I'm worth more than that. My value is higher than that. Well, that's not... you. What you have to do is, how do you think be, you become, you know, a general in the army, right? You don't just start as a general. You'll you kill three people. You've got to prove yourself, right? You've got to go through a period of time where you've shown that you can be reliable. You can show it. How do you become a Navy SEAL, right? You have to go through all that training, but it starts in the basic stuff in the military. It starts with proving yourself. How do you be the best you know, F1 driver in the world? How do you get the privilege of going into an F1 car? It's like you proved yourself over all the small little tasks over time, yet for some reason, when people think of career path, I'm worth more than that. I should just skip up to into the leadership team. No, you had to, you had to prove yourself first. And it starts with starting at the bottom with small little things. Can we rely on you? Can we trust you? Are you going to show up on time? Are you going to get things done when we want them to get done? Because those principles are the same whether you're, you know, managing a team of 50 trainers or whether you're, you know, out on the gym floor coaching your first client for the day. Are you, you know, or you working the desk, the reception desk, just small things, little details, these habits, these characteristics of people, they translate to all levels. It doesn't matter what position you put them in. Those are the things you're trying to find out. The reason you don't start them at the top, at the top is because if they're the wrong person, they're making those mistakes, has a much bigger negative impact. Whereas if you start them down small, they make a couple of mistakes, you realize they're the wrong person, a little bit more easily replaceable, less damage. So that's, I think that's really key there is that 
people are worried about starting at the wrong position or whatever, I'm like, you've got eyes on you with the leadership and the management the whole time. Don't think that we're not looking at all the little tasks that we give you and all the little tests and all the little challenges that we give you to know how good is this person going to be a bigger task in the future because you can easily one day make it to any level in any company. I don't think, I believe any skill set can be taught especially with our business. I believe anyone can get to any position they want to but it starts with learning all the basic small characteristics of yeah, trust, reliability, um, you know, hard work, going above and beyond your expectations, doing things that are like, wow, I didn't ask anything of him and he stepped up and he did that. That's crazy. I wonder what he would do when he had bigger responsibilities. How much would he step up and over-deliver here? And we've seen that with some of the staff that we do and then as a result, they end up in the leadership positions in our company. That's just how it works because we say to ourselves, fuck man, this person is stepping up and they are crushing it. Let's give them more responsibility. Let's, you know, and then eventually they will earn value where beyond that and and this is where I wanted to talk about and we'll obviously tie finances into this as well but a long, long-term career path. Now, this is something I've been giving more thought to recently and it's something that I don't think anyone can necessarily action because it's way off in the future but it's important to have it in the back of your mind because you want to build a structure long-term that allows this and this was something that uh, I first heard Andy Frisella talk about on his podcast and it actually related to him posting his cars online and he felt, almost felt a bit ashamed of posting his cars online and actually there's another person that we know that had like a pre-made meal company that also was ashamed to put his cars or let people know that he has nice cars or a nice house online and, and wanted to keep it pretty private and the reason that they wanted to keep these things private and what someone pulled them up on is it's like you feel a little bit of potentially shame or guilt towards having these things, not because or what you just really haven't identified why, but the reason why is because you're working with people where you're not allowing a path, a long-term path for them in the future to eventually have that thing, those things themselves. And Andy, you know, being deep into, and I think this applies to any business, being deep into his business for a long time, he did realize, I don't actually have a career path. So if someone wanted to have what I have and build a life similar to what I have built, I don't actually have that path for them. I haven't built that long-term career path. And I think that's one thing that is really important is that you know maybe some people feel a sense of guilt around doing well potentially for themselves as the owner because they're not setting up a career path for someone else to do that in their companies at some point. It's not going to be straight away. It's going to be long, long-term. It's going to take years. But is there a path for them to be on it? And I think that that is why some people are attracted to certain brands is because if I use the franchise model, for example, and we know some of the um, uh, fit stop, right? He has this model built into it, which is great, is that some of the, you know, early careers, uh, early staff that he's with, because, you know, if you prove yourself, if you do really well here, at some point, you can have your own fit stop. You can have three, four, five fit stops. You can buy a nice car. You can buy a house. You can start a family. You can do all these amazing things, but you have to have the career path for the people. And if you don't, People will be like, well, it's just the greedy owner that always takes it all for himself and he keeps all the profits. You have to win together. And I think the only way to do that is to have a long... Because you want to keep your great people around and you want to reward them. I don't think there's anything more rewarding as an owner to see your people succeed just as much as you succeed. But you have to have the path for them. And quite honestly, I think the only reason that part... The only way that path is ever going to exist is if you do have big goals. Because otherwise, the revenue won't be there. The profits won't be there. Um, the responsibilities won't be there to have lots of different people in your company earning high six-figure incomes. 
okay? So that's really something to think about long, long term. But more into the medium short term, it's got to be financially viable from the beginning. Yeah, I think an error you can fall into here, which is pretty common in gyms, is that unless you pay someone, it doesn't really matter what position you put them in, unless you pay them just like a good living. I think everyone knows that's different for every area where you're at. As long as you have a good living, that person is going to be short-term with your business. So that might mean going from three coaches to one coach, mm. just so you can get that person there. And then, then it's someone that they can stick around for the long term. You know, Unless you have them on that track, you're on a, a basically a, a timer for mm. how long they can stay at the gym. And that means, you know, if you pay them per class and you add up all the classes, it's still not really there. It's like not going to work out for them long term. So either you know that and you've got a plan that you're going to switch them over every so often or you know they're going to go work somebody somewhere else while they're doing it. I think the most sustainable one is that, yeah, you can just make it financially viable for everyone. It's yeah. not that somebody comes into fitness, they're usually not super financially motivated because it's not the industry you would normally get into if you're trying to make as much money as quickly as possible probably go into like finance or crypto or something like that (laughs) if i was like all you really cared about but you know everyone still wants to be able to live and live properly otherwise that area of their life will always become a problem so setting up your business to achieve that and that might mean yeah less stuff with more responsibilities uh, that's just critical and i think you can do everything else above but if you don't get that one done then you're still going to struggle no matter how good you are later if they don't make enough money yeah, they're going to have to do something else, right? Yeah. To, to live their lives. Yeah. I just wouldn't, I don't feel right sleeping at night knowing that I'm not going to build something that in the future, in 10 years, I can have all the important people, all the staff that have earned their keep, that have shown me value for this period of time to also be able to sleep in the house that they own and drive car, and drive nice cars or, or whatever that might be for them. Go on nice holidays, um, you know, have a nice wedding, whatever that thing might be. I'm just giving like examples that most people go for. But, to have the freedom, have the finances, do those things. So yeah, when they go out with their mates or, you know, in 10 years time, they're in their late 30s or whatever, you know, they don't have to stress like, oh man, I can't afford this or I can't spend too much money here. They can just go out and eat at nice places or whatever their, their mates are doing. Because yeah, if your mates are in finance right now, you m- might be earning a little bit similar. But if you, the typical path has been in the fitness industry, oh man, you're 35, you're still doing like the fitness thing, like, come on, man, I'm in investment banking, like, you know, making 500 grand a year. And I'm not saying what's, that's what our staff will make, but it doesn't have to be 500 grand. But yeah, if, you, if you've got staff members in their late 30s making $50,000, and there are so many of them out there in the fitness industry, $50,000 a year with no upward mobility, no long-term career path, they put all their time and energy and effort into this one gym and like their, their friends left to buy dinner for them. It's not a good feeling for that person, you know, that's, that's tried really hard. So you have a lot of responsibilities there. And this is why I think, entrepreneurship isn't for everyone because now you guys are hearing this stuff and you realize, fuck, there's so much to do. There's so much responsibility on my shoulders. This is what it takes. This is why most people don't succeed long-term or they don't ever have a business that they can you know, step out from, have a proper leadership team with. It's just not for everyone. It's just super fucking hard. That's the thing. Um, so, a lot to think about. Threw a lot on you guys today. Just probably a lot of stuff we've been thinking about as well. So, that there's uh i think it's worth sharing this one if you guys um you know have a gym uh or you work for someone or you are the owner just a lot of stuff to think about in this day i think it's a pretty important episode that we've got all this out so run through it quickly again so when it comes to attracting retaining and growing great staff your gym brand is the most important thing uh an interview and onboarding process that's solid your leadership as well uh your skills and responsibilities the long-term career paths and then also make it being financially viable from the start um so there it is guys Hopefully, you got a lot out of this episode. And again, if you did, please share it. Uh, Please tell someone about it and it will give them value as well. All right. Thanks so much. We'll speak to you all next week. Thank you, Project, for tuning in again to another episode of the My Muscle Project. 
Uh, we release an episode every single Monday. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, The My Muscle Project, to stay up to date with everything we're doing. And if you have some time, leave us a review and a five-star rating on iTunes. And don't forget, we have a second show of the week, The After Show. So it's no longer a rest day on Thursdays. If you have any questions for Lachlan and I for that show, head to themymuscleproject.com forward slash The After Show. And if you ask questions, we'll, uh, we'll answer it on the show. Thanks again so much, Project, and we'll see you all next week.